Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Through Nick and Thin. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. Please allow me to introduce myself. I am your host. My name is Steve. And joining me, as always, is my co-host... Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger. It's (laughs) me. I was trying to think of some sort of pun about, like, guessing your name or something. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Didn't click it there. Pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you, Mick. So, tell me, how are you doing today on this fine day? That's also... It sounds like that's a song lyric, but it's not from the song Sympathy for the Devil. I think we can... I think we can cut the the bullshit here. (laughs) Cut the bullshit. You're listening to, of course, you clicked on it, our episode of the Nicolas Cage movie called Sympathy for the Devil. As far as I know, it is a remake. It's It's not not a remake. It's not a remake. (laughs) Hannah did some research. She's going to enlighten us in a minute. A very brief plot overview is that Nicolas Cage plays a maniacal type character who essentially kidnaps and forces Joel Kinnaman to drive him throughout... Uh, Las Vegas and spooky things are afoot. Maybe not like haunted, but like it's a thriller what? is what I'm trying to say. I'm still in a dead daylight. Spooky about this movie? No, well, it's it's, it's thrilling. There's guns and violence. Yeah, and... it's violent. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not spooky. So we're gonna get this podcast kicked off. <laughs> uh, please God, let's get this kicked off as we always do, mm-hmm. and that is going to be with Hannah's section where she does some background information uh research so that you don't have to so that you don't have to on the movie and maybe a little bit about Nicolas Cage in his life yes a little bit about what's going on with him these what's days going on with him we'll start with the movie itself so Great. sympathy for the devil premiered July 28th 2023 what is today's date August 5th August 6th, 6th. okay so we're about a week late to the game but yeah I think that's okay well because we didn't do it last weekend because we had a different property of Nicolas Cage's yeah to we had to buy a video game we and sure did I had to watch you play it <laughs> my first note is to cancel my PlayStation subscription smart <laughs> yes. let's do that mm-hmm. uh July 28th it premiered at the Fantasia International Film Festival on July 22nd in Montreal was curious about what type of film festival this is because I've never heard of it before. Yeah. And they brand themselves as they focus on niche, B-rated, and low-budget films in various genres. <laughs> I mean, so is it just so all it's Nicolas like Cage? all Nick Cage yeah. movies. <laughs> it's just a Nick Cage film fest, but they're branding it as something else to, I guess, disguise it in a, in a way. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. They're like right. masking it. It's for a tax write-off. Yeah, yeah, they have to mask honestly. it. Yeah. And it's in Canada. Anyway. So you know it's shady. This movie has a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb and a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. The expected box office at this point is $70,000. And Ooh. the budget, I couldn't find it on like a credible source. Okay. But the one that I said, which we will take for you know, the truth here is um, $30 million. Yikes. I'm sure a lot of that budget was, there wasn't like any CGI. There were a few big, I guess, action pieces, car wrecks, that kind of thing. But the budget probably went to Nicolas Cage and Joel Kinnaman, mostly Nicolas Cage, I would imagine. Nick Cage also produced the film. So he likely didn't take in as much, I guess, Hmm. as he typically does Hmm. on the salary. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I don't know. Hmm. Well, we can't ask him because no, we actors can't ask are striking. Him. 
the actors are striking. Otherwise, we would absolutely just we'd bring like, him pick up, up the phone. And, we'd have him on the podcast. Yeah, it but would be they, really easy to ask him. But yeah. in honor of the SAG after after strike, uh-huh. we will not be doing that today. No. <laughs> Unlike our previous episodes where we always contact Nicolas Cage. Yeah, go back and yeah. listen. Uh-huh. Uh, so, like I said, this movie was, he is billed as a producer. Also, mm. his film production company, Saturn Films, is also billed as production in the um, titling sequence of mm-hmm. the movie. But anywhere I could find it, like on the internet, it doesn't say Saturn Films. Oh. It says Capstone Global, Hammerstone Studios, and Signature Films. Doesn't put Saturn in mm. the ring. Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess I kind of understand i don't it's, know it's pretty, I, we thought uh, I, we thought that saturn was defunct like yeah. i thought that they went bankrupt yeah because the capstone logo is a c like around the globe and so we were like oh there's saturn because there's a ring around a planet yeah we're they were like, like oh, wait, oh that's, no, that's africa the therefore it's the earth <laughs> like oh obviously that's the earth never mind and then it was like is you think saturn actually produced this film and, and I think then there they were i even said no i think they're defunct but apparently not who knows? It it's like a ghost production company at this point. Yeah, yeah honestly, <laughs> you think there's like a small office somewhere with like accountants and like I think there's just like HR one person people. who answers the <laughs> <Yeah>. phone. <laughs> just they go into work every day. Like, where do you work? I work for Saturn Films, and it's like, and it's what just is them that? in an office building alone. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a Dunder Mifflin situation. There's just like a small handful of people getting into wacky antics. Honestly, like that would be a cool plot for a film if it's just one person gets hired mm. to work in like in an office building for this like ghost production company. Yeah. I don't know. Like those ghost kitchens that Uber Eats does. Exactly. Yeah. But ghost production. But ghost production. I love it. Ooh. All right. I think I we're all, I think we're on to something. Yeah. Most critics think I'm just going to keep going with this. Yeah, please. Just gonna, I'm just going to move on. Here to derail you. Uh, most critics think that this movie is average, ergo the 5.6 out of 10, 60% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, but most of them have commented on Nick's performance as either gloriously over the top, a tour de force, wow. he chews up every scene, he's he never really boring is. to watch, he delivers the goods for those who like him best when he's losing his mind. He really does. So at the end of our episode last week, I said there is some great Nicolas Cage lines from that video game that we played. Yes, there and are. I stuck our favorites at the end. But this movie really gives that video game a run for its money with how many like great moments he has in it. This is a really true Nicolas Cage movie. Absolutely deranged in this film. <laughs> and it's fantastic. <laughs> We're here for it. Chewing up the scenery is probably like the best line that you could give it. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, this movie was originally set to be filmed and I guess like depicted in winter New York City, but it was changed to Las Vegas. Hmm. I wonder Wonder why. why. Nick said, (laughs) I often think about the genius loci of a place creatively. And for some reason, this part of the Mojave Desert has lent itself to some good inspiration in terms of performance and my films. And also, I live there. <laughs> he didn't Therefore, say that it's part, simple. Right? No, no. But like, it's easy for me to yeah. commute to work and Come have on. a family. Come on. <laughs> I wonder. If part and it's of that... cheap to film in Nevada. Nevada, yeah. however, that's said. Nevada. Uh, I wonder if, as a producer, that was part of his thought process. Was well, you'd have to pay me, the actor, to fly from Vegas to New York. I'd yeah. have to live there for however many days, so they'd have to pay for my housing. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is cheaper to just film in vegas yeah i mean he like probably 
could have kept his penthouse apartment in Manhattan, but oh, right. yeah, uh, the IRS came and oh, right. confiscated it. Confiscated, right, right. that's not the word. But... <laughs> this is mine now. <laughs> <laughs> mine. I take this now. Thank you. <laughs> they usurped it. They commandeered it. Oh, wow. Yeah, how do you like my I also don't SAT think that either, either of those terms are used for property. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's see. Oh, yeah. So Steve mentioned earlier that he thought that this, that we both thought that this was potentially a remake. It's not. There was a movie made in 1968, and it's just a documentary about the Rolling Stones. Oh, really? And it's called Sympathy for the Devil. But I looked it up, and it has a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb, which is higher than this, but it has a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is lower than this. So you, as a listener, can choose which one you want to watch. You have to watch one of the two. (laughs) And you can pick which one. <laughs> you can't watch both. <laughs> you may only watch one. <laughs> or what? <laughs> what are the consequences? Oh, you don't want to know. Yeah, Hannah's going to climb into the back of your car and make you drive around at gunpoint. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I have some things about Nick. A few I will save to, mm. you know, intermittently add into the context of ad. it's not incredulous it. you're incredulous thank you um to you know add into when steve's going through the plot but let's see uh nick did an interview the interviewer said this year that this year alone you were in five movies and you just had a baby you have a young daughter now oh, so yeah, how does right. having a young daughter impact that and Nick said, well, when I was filming those five movies, Augie, he calls her Augie. Her name is August, August right. um, named after his father, wasn't in the picture. But now I really have to re- reevaluate, you know, the, the types of movies that I'm going to take because I want to be around for my daughter, which is great. Good father. What does that? I wonder what that's going to mean for him moving forward. Is he going to be in more movies and like? No, I think he like can before, be more selective now. Think he can be more selective now that he's got another well, child. Well, he's. Uh, yeah i mean like i think he's paid his debts i think he's probably broken even if not is now making money finally right therefore he's he's likely in a good financial position that he can be a father be around for his daughter he's turning 60 in january good god um so i wonder then if he's going to go the other way and he's not going to play villains anymore like in this movie or is he like trying to set a good example for his daughter? Oh wait, daughter? so you think you know that I mean? that's about the types of characters that he's going to choose to play? I don't know, maybe. That's what I'm saying. It's either that or it's going to be he takes more or fewer movies. I assumed it was like the types of projects that he would take based upon like where they're filming and who else is in it. Oh, uh, all right. Maybe filming location. Yeah. I could see Like that. if it's LA or Vegas or New Orleans, he'll do it. But if it's New York, he's out. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Those that are makes his sense. demands. Okay. Good. I got it. I got it sorted out in my yeah, head yeah, now. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Okay. Yep. Cool. Okay. Like I said, the rest probably makes more sense for me to talk about when we get to it in the movie. I don't want to like, you know, no, spoil no anything <laughs> at this point. And also, I, I would love to encourage you as a listener to listen to the remainder of the podcast to find out these really interesting facts. So, <laughs> do you think gonna... people just check out? <laughs> you never know. That's true. People I guess. might people might be here to listen to the fun facts and then they leave because they don't want to listen to your voice. Wow, so. that's true. <laughs> do you think anybody does the opposite? People are probably like, "Who's this girl talking about Nick Cage nonsense?" Let's get to the movie. The meat and potatoes of the podcast. 
Well, so let's do that. Speaking of meat and potatoes, let's get right into this this juicy steak of a Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, so as Hannah mentioned, I have a few opening notes. Uh, the first is a quote from Hannah. <laughs> quote, I think we need subtitles. Sometimes he screams and doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so we put subtitles on and... I'm glad we did. Yeah, because then we didn't really well, miss anything. for another except reason. Except for the entire plot. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> There were also accents involved, which we will also get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get into that real soon. So the movie opens up and we find out very quickly within less than a few minutes that Joel Kinnaman's wife is about to have a baby and he's on his way to the hospital to meet his wife who's in labor. His wife has had complications in the past with giving birth. So they're really very hopeful, stressful. very stressful, really hopeful that... You know, everything's going to go smoothly this time around. He's running late. He's running behind. He pulls into the hospital parking lot. And who does he see but an ominous, Shirley Templed haired, (laughs) (laughs) bright as the sun, bright as a Hawaiian punch, redheaded Nicolas Cage. Wearing. Wearing a, like, velvet red, like... Something clearly out of his own wardrobe. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was beautiful. It's like... It's honestly, it's the exact same like lounge sport coat that he had in the video game that mm. we looked at last week. Yeah. But last week it was purple and this week it's red to match his hair. Yes. He's also got just a real thick, dark goatee um, and real just dead Just like eyes. a black t-shirt. And a black t-shirt and black sh- pants and black shoes. Probably. Looking great. So the hair. Yeah. I knew we you have had to, We have to, to talk about, about the hair. hair. Yep. So if you remember last year, one of our podcasts, I don't remember what movie it was, but it mm. must have been in the August time frame. In August of last year, there was a picture that came out of Nick. It was like a fan pic. Some, some, someone spotted him in the wild in, <laughs> in a grocery the man, store. Cage <laughs> makes an appearance. In a grocery store in Las Vegas with that fiery red hair. And he never confirmed that it was for a part. So right. at the time, we were all like, oh, Nick's really just trying something here. <laughs> I have a feeling we, we mentioned it was probably for a part. I don't remember what we but said. But he never confirmed that he it was for He never confirmed. Okay. Well, because of the title of the film, Nick looked at Mick Jagger had a movie called Performance. And oh. there's Mick Jagger. And then there's like a gangster in the movie. And at some point in the movie, the gangster puts his hand in a bucket of red paint and wipes it in his hair to create a disguise. And Nick thought that that was the creation of punk rock itself. What? So he also, (laughs) Nick also looked at demonology and he, he found this demon called Asmodeus just covered in red. Okay. So with like both of, you know, that Im- like that imagery in mind, right. he sent a text of the photo of Asmodeus to the director and said, there's our guy. And then he showed up to set with red hair. So oh, he, he, cho- he, ch- he chose to do this. Oh, God. He just showed up to set with red hair and the director freaked out, apparently, according to Nick. I believe it. Yeah. And then finally, according to Nick, got into it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it doesn't really have that much of an impact on the movie, but it is kind of like, you'd imagine it's kind of a dick move to be like, hey, I'm going to make this really dramatic decision without telling anybody. It's like, yeah, it's the most like leading man, like drama king. I'm producing Mm. and starring in this movie. Therefore, I'm making a creative decision like type of thing. I think you could have done. Right. Yeah. 
yeah he's yeah. i mean it's it's pretty inconsequential yeah like you said it's yeah. just a color of hair right but it i guess it it does kind of add to the complicated it complicates the plot i guess in a sense where because he's holding someone hostage throughout the entirety of the movie anybody who reports anyone to the police would be like <laughs> yeah oh, it's a guy it's with bright red a hair 60 year old man with a dark goatee <laughs> that he probably also died <laughs> and bright red hair and a bright red suit like he's not hard to miss but also with the title of the film having the word devil in it it makes the viewer i think like i immediately was like oh is he is he just the devil like is he lucifer i did wonder if there was like a mystical element to this movie because of his hair yeah exactly (laughs) yeah it did kind of take me out of it yeah so all right so i i get i get the uh frustration with him yeah there is no mystical the element <laughs> there's nothing mystical about this I, I guess what is mystical is how nothing, insane he is how, and how nothing like works how it should in this movie side note we're also watching a tv series uh, consequentially <laughs> about hostages and hostage taking and nothing is it's how the one it with actually... idris elba on apple tv oh, apple tv right and, apple yeah TV. apple tv yeah and it's just like <laughs> Why Why is nobody doing what, like, a normal human would do? And I'm like, look, I've never been held hostage, so maybe I would act differently. But it's like, mm. everyone's always like, oh, we can't call the cops. It's like, wh- why? If I were there, I would have killed all of them. <laughs> all right, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't learned about that story this week. He apologized. He apologized. He didn't mean it. I mean, he meant it, but he didn't. That's, oh, wait, side note. Our friends were talking about putting together a bracket of, like, Oh, canceled people celebrities. Who, yeah, celebrities who have gotten canceled and, like, who deserved it the least would win. Right. Is Mark Wahlberg, like, was he ever canceled he for that? He really got canceled. I don't think so. But Interesting. probably should have been. He got made fun of a lot, so. <laughs> he probably should have been canceled for that one. Uh, yeah, and it's not great. <laughs> it's a national tragedy. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> All right, back Where to were the we? plot. Where were red we? hair. Okay, yes, red hair. So it, Nicolas Cage jumps in the back of Joel Kinman's car, points a gun at him, and before he says, like, drive, get out of here, he goes, pick a card, any card. And he doesn't <laughs> even have a deck of cards on him. And Joel Kinman's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this makes He's it, like, I have to go into this hospital. My, my wife my is, is in labor. My wife is Please let me go. <laughs> and... Yeah, so he picks a card or whatever. He's like, oh, Ace of spades. card. He pulls it out of his chest. Yeah, but anyway, it's obvious. Yeah, he points a gun at him and he goes, drive. <laughs> so they're on the road. And it's really in the back of this car where I'm starting to think, even in the hospital parking lot, I'm like, is is that an is that an accent? Is he doing an accent? I couldn't tell for a while. Yeah. You mentioned accent, and I was yeah. like, what accent? Yeah, and so... <laughs> Anytime he tries an accent, it's always very, like, subtle. Yeah. Because it's always masked by, you know, he has such a distinctive voice. Uh, exactly. <laughs> like, he's not good at accents, I don't think. <laughs> no. As evidenced by this movie. So they're on the road, and um, Joel Kinnaman's wife, throughout the entire movie, just keeps calling Joel, and it's just like, where are you? You said you were here. And... Worst phone actor I've ever... Unreal. Ever listen to unreal how that all it is why just get a voice actor like was she not a voice actor I didn't look <laughs> I gotta look her up hang on please hold <laughs> would it be easier for me to because then you don't have to go away from the podcast there is nothing about her on IMDb no Absolutely billing no credit no credit yeah unreal that's kind of messed up that's stupid I like I said she must have been like the director's sister or wife or something she was atrocious that was such bad phone acting so it's just like. Oh my gosh, where are you? You said you would be here. Ugh, I'm pushing out a baby. <laughs> is she Italian now? 
<laughs> a bush got a baby. A baba da bee. <laughs> She's not Italian. Mama Anyways. Mia. So they're on the road. The wife keeps calling. And I'm in, they're in the car. And, the, and I'm just like, is, is he doing a Christopher Walken impression? Like, what, like, what is, like, like, you've got a beautiful wife. <laughs> and I'm like, what is, what is he doing? And uh, so they get to a gas station because Joel Kinnaman's car is about to run out of gas. First of all, you can see in the background, gas is four ninety seven a gallon. Vegas. Vegas, baby. Uh, and they get out of the car, and <laughs> Nick Cage says something to the effect of like, well, you ever been to Boston? And I'm like, Boston? He's doing, is that a, that's not Boston. He's it was, not doing a Boston. It was New York at best. At best, it was New York. <laughs> at best, it, it was Nicolas Cage doing a New York. Long Island. It was someone doing a Nicolas Cage doing a New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was someone with a thick, like, Staten Island accent doing Nick Cage. Yeah. Yeah. Super weird. <laughs> so they get back in the car, and this is where we get our first couple of contenders for most nouveau shamanic moment. So Nicolas Cage is going through the glove box in Joel Kinnaman's car, and he sees a picture of Joel Kinnaman and his wife. And he says... <sighs> <laughs> wish you would say that to me i say it all the time but it's only whenever you're not listening <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's when it's when someone hi- hijacks your car yeah and they pull out a picture of me that you have framed in your yeah, glove box yeah i have a framed picture of you in my glove box yeah. and that's when you say that and i say can somebody say sucks cool yeah cool anyway Nick Cage starts grilling Joel Kinnaman about, like, have you ever been to Boston? I'm sorry, have you ever been to Boston? Are you a big drinker? And, like, this is apparently important later, but anyway. So, Joel Kinnaman at one point interrupts Nicolas Cage's line of questioning. And our next contender for Nouveau Shamanic moment is Nick Cage gets very uh, displeased with being interrupted. And he swings his head around in a circle as he goes... (laughs) (laughs) And... And it's like the knights that say knee. And I don't know why he chose to do that. But um, he made a lot of choices. Yeah. So the uh, passenger mm-hmm. <laughs> and Joel Kinnaman, so Nicholas Cage and Joel Kinnaman, they're driving down the road. Joel Kinnaman sees a cop and he decides to start speeding so that the cop will pull him over. So cop pulls him over. <laughs> and Nick Cage is being just an absolute dick in the passenger seat. The cop is just like, you know, license like, and you're registration, speeding. you're speeding. And Nick's like, have you ever heard of... Have you ever heard, heard of, of like, the flow of the traffic? The flow of traffic. Oh, I'm just asking a question. What am I not Isn't the flow a, a thing? And then it gets to a point where he yells at the cop. Are you fucking crazy? All I did was ask a simple question and now this big cock cop is telling me to get out of the car. You're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> what big, does he mean by that? You're a big cock cop. Is he? Is that a compliment? <laughs> uh, that's true, right? Like I'd be like, thank you, <laughs> thank you. You're under arrest. <laughs> thank, you. thank you, gentlemen. Be on your way. <laughs> so uh, Nicholas Cage has the gun in his jacket pocket, mm-hmm. and through his jacket pocket, he shoots and clips the cop through the window. Uh, cop goes down. Nick Cage gets out, pulls out a second gun. Didn't know he had two. Yep. And just like mania, mania annihilates him. <laughs> maniacally, Man, maniacally annihilates. Annihilates. Ooh, ooh, annihilates. I like it. <laughs> and just annihilates this cop in front of uh, J.K. Joel Kinnaman. I might, start, I might start calling him J.K. The driver. Yeah, the driver. 
So he gets back in the car. They get back on the road, and he's just like, I can't believe you killed him. That cop was just doing his job. He had a family. You, you, you just destroyed his family. And Nick Cage <laughs> says, I destroyed a family! I did! Drive! Great, great screams in this movie. Just didn't enjoy. make sense at the time. No, no. Well, like no. where the context is coming from. Mm-mm. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me now. No, full disclosure. <laughs> there is a scene where mm. Nick Cage delivers a monologue. It's coming up. Okay. Yeah. Then I'll wait. Okay. So like the next kind of big <laughs> moment is that they're driving down the road. Nick Cage is like, I'm hungry. We should pull over soon. But before then... Joel Kinnaman decides to tuck and roll. So he steps on the gas, but he unbuckles his seatbelt and he jumps out of the car. And uh, Nick Cage is able to get the car to stop, but he bangs his nose. So he yells at, at JK. You broke my beautiful nose, fucker! <laughs> and he says, I wanted to be 100% sex. Now I'm 50% sex. <laughs> He's like, I'm talking like Edward G. Robertson. See, yeah, see. Not 100%. Is ad lib. Ad lib from him. Yeah. There's 100%. no way that was in the script. Yeah. 100% sex. I wanted to be 100% sex. That tonight. is the most Nicolas Cage shit I've ever heard in my life. Thousand percent. <laughs> Thousand percent sex. <laughs> Thousand percent sex from Nicolas Cage. We have no proof that he is the one that that was not in the original script, but I'm telling you, there's no way it was. <laughs> there's no way that was in the script. Coming, yeah, from, absolutely. coming from someone who's watched over a hundred of the shits. <laughs> oh yeah, we know. We can tell. <laughs> Speaking of things that probably weren't in the script, <laughs> Nicholas Cage answers a call from Joel Kinnaman's wife as he's mm-hmm. looking for him because he tucked and rolled. He's in some ditch, you know, in the desert. Yep. And he answers a call from the wife and he's like, Oh, yeah, Joel Kitterman's coming. He's on his way. I'm just the guy in the gift shop because your husband had to step aside for a moment. Into the warehouse, which made no sense. Oh, no, because he said that um, he asked, what do you do for a living, Joel Kitterman? And he was like, I'm a warehouse worker. Like, I manage oh. warehouses or something. So he's like, so he had, to, he had to step aside and use the landline to call a warehouse for a work emergency. Oh, oh. Yeah. I thought he was saying that he stepped into the warehouse. And I'm like, why is there a warehouse in the <laughs> hospital by the gift shop? He could have said that, honestly. And it still <laughs> would make an equal amount of sense. Anyway, so he's giving some excuse to, to, to the wife. And uh, he's like, oh, you're in labor. Oh, yeah. My wife had a baby. And I tell you, when she had a baby... Everything came out of her, man. She was giving the doctor a golden shower. It was real sexual, man. <laughs> He's just saying this to a stranger. To this woman who just gave birth. So that's another definitely like improvised moment. So he finally gets Joel Kinnaman back in the car. They get back on the road and then they get to the diner. And so this is the scene we were just referencing a moment ago. So they're hungry. They go to the a exposition. Diner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and this whole time, Joel Kinnaman's like, who are you? What do you want from me? You've got the wrong guy. I don't know what you want from me. And uh, the whole time, Nick Cage is like, you're just driving to Boulder City. And, and I'm not going to tell you the rest. That would spoil the spoil it. So they get to the diner. And Nick Cage, I wrote in my notes, Nick Cage is causing a scene and tells a bad story. And that's all I wrote in my notes because I was like, after the 
second or third line of this monologue of his story, I'm like, I'm lost. I don't know. We don't know what happened. I was like, I don't know what happened. I I was like, it's probably not important. That was the most important scene in the movie. If you blink, if you like look down for a moment, if you lose track of this story, you lose track of the entire plot. And both of us lost track of the story. No idea. From what we could piece together, (laughs) there was a bookie or something in Boston Boston who put out a hit on some guy named James. Someone's named. I think there were two James. Someone's named. (laughs) (laughs) I think think the bookie was named James and then the guy who was like murdered was also named James. Yeah. And the guy who was murdered. No. (laughs) Jacob. Oh, that's why it's so confusing. (laughs) <laughs> like you couldn't have named them anything. And meanwhile, Joel Kinnaman's name is like David Munchausen. Chamberlain. No. Chamberlain. <laughs> I don't know why I said Munchausen. <laughs> but it's like they use like the three most standard white guy names. Jacob, James, and David. And then we know it's Nicholas and Joel. <laughs> These are the most standard Joel's names. A little... It's a little different, different, I guess. But anyway, anyway, so, so there's a bookie who's and... like a drunk, and then he's he put out a hit on someone, and man, and then their wife and kids. The got wife murdered. witnessed the murder, so then the wife started going crazy, and then the wife had to put had to get it. They had to put a hit out on the wife and her daughter, or and something. her daughter. They had to kill the Listen, daughter too. Yeah, like we I said, didn't pay attention because well, it didn't make like it was it was illiterate. <laughs> we were so distracted by Nicolas Cage's bright red hair. <laughs> That I couldn't follow. It was the plot. absolutely impossible to pay attention to. Yeah, I don't blame us. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that both of us couldn't handle it, like that's usually me. I'm like, what? Right. Huh? Right. But you, you know, you're on the ball. Usually. Yeah. The fact that you wrote tells a bad tells story. Because <laughs> I thought it's not that important. Well, here we are. I was wrong. So remember that so remember story that, that we just did a great job of telling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so as he's telling the story, he does a great thing with some sweet and low in his coffee hmm. at the diner where he like, he rips it, rips he has, it off with his teeth. Right? Yeah. He has to keep one hand on the gun pointed at Joel Kinnaman under the table uh-huh. and he rips off with, he bites it with his teeth. It's just like as he pours the sugars into his coffee. How many? Like five? He did three. Three. Okay. And then, I forget exactly Well, the waitress what, comes over. Oh, yeah. So, the waitress comes over and uh, she goes, there's a special. It's a tuna meld. And she's like, it's tuna, mayo, uh, tomato with a slice of mozzarella. And Nick, and Nick Cage goes, well, what if I want cheddar? Who puts mozzarella? Like, he <laughs> yeah, does he that. Kept, he he does, kept going mozzarella. He does that thing that, like, fake Italians do. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, oh, the ricotta and the mozzarella. But the rest of the sentence is spoken is in their in American like, accent. Yeah, I hate that. Um, so Nick Cage did that. Yeah. And there's a, a byline on the menu, the menu that says no substitutions that Nick Cage makes like, he like guffaws at that. Oh, he, one th- good word, guffaw. We're using a lot of great vocab here. Thanks. It's SAT prep season, so. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> yeah. definitely not, is it? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's all year, right? Don't they do those all year? Uh, right in yeah. let us know <laughs> yeah, we haven't taken an time. sat in like 20 years <laughs> but uh so right so anyway where were we so i don't remember what exactly causes him to do this but if you look up this movie and you see any pictures from this movie nick cage 
it zooms in on him making just the craziest face. Like his eyes go wide, his eyebrows raise, he gnarls his teeth and like a big smile almost sitting at the table. It, it almost that, came like, out of nowhere. It really distracted me. <laughs> yeah, and we couldn't <laughs> keep track of the plot <laughs> because we didn't know it was the plot. We thought he was just telling a story. Right. So he ordered, he orders oh, the, the food. The tuna melt with cheddar. With cheddar. Even though he wasn't going to, there's no way he was going to get it. Right. Yeah. And but, then he makes Joel order the same thing. Yeah, so they're making a huge scene. They're screaming at each other. There's like four other patrons in this restaurant. At or the three. time, there's only one. one. There's just a trucker having a late night cup of coffee okay. at the counter. And then there's the waitress. And you know that there's a chef in the back. I think you see him briefly. So Joel Kinnaman interrupts Nick Cage as he tells this story. <laughs> and Nick Cage... Does not like that. Does not like it. It says... I do not fucking interrupt me! God damn it! I told you that in the car! You're always way off at the mouth! You got a motor mouth! There's a motorboat stuck in your mouth! Just shut up! Shut the fuck back down! Oh my god, we paused to oh. make sure that we wrote that down in its entirety, in totality. Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. And so <laughs> after this great the display... The sit the fuck back down. The sit the fuck back down. And after us, you know, we pick up our jaws off the floor. <laughs> after all I of sat the- down. Yeah. I was standing uh-huh. for the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I sat down. Well, I mean, so just so, so our listeners know, we don't have any couches. We have two treadmills in our living room. We don't have furniture in yeah. our home. <laughs> we just we just have treadmills everywhere. If we're watching everywhere. TV, we're going for a jog. That's how we stay fit. We just have treadmills everywhere in our home. <laughs> yeah, I sleep on a treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Nick Cage and Joel Kinnaman get into a scuffle, and Nick Cage stole the handcuffs hey, from the uh, kerfuffle. <laughs> uh, Cage Kinnaman kerfuffle. Um, Stole the handcuffs from the cop and cuffs Kinnaman to the uh, diner table. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Cage then goes into the back where the waitress and the chef are. And he, you know, steals their phones, throws them in the fryer, you know, destroys the, the landline, um, starts pointing guns at everybody. Nick Cage then goes over to the jukebox mm-hmm. and, oh, jukebox, <laughs> <laughs> punches in some number. And starts playing and singing along to I Love the Nightlife. You know the song. I love the nightlife. I, I like to boogie. the disco. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts singing along and he's shimmying and he's dancing all over the restaurant. It's a sight, man. So. Yeah. That song choice was Nick Cage's choice. Of course it was. He had to pay $30,000 of his own money. To get the licensing grants. <laughs> that <laughs> sentence that you just said frustrates the hell out of me for a reason I think is very obvious to you. Okay. Should I spoil it now or, or yeah. should we save it for the go, end? No, go ahead. I made the joke at the beginning of this podcast and you know the title of this episode and you know the title of this movie. And you and know they, his inspiration for it. And they don't fucking once play Rolling Stone's Sympathy for the Devil. I, it was probably more than $30,000. Unreal <laughs> that they spent 30 grand on they, this Not they. Not they. Nick. He. Right. Per, like out of his 
pocketbook. Pocket. <laughs> he took out of his pocketbook, out of his little change purse, and he probably carries. He wrote a check to yeah. Nina, whatever her name is, sang that song. Is that? I don't know. <laughs> Alicia Bridges, my bad. <laughs> so, apologies, Miss Bridges. Apologies to Nina's everywhere. <laughs> So, so yeah, anyway. So, anyway, yeah. He so, dances, he sings really poorly. He's got the he's gun. He's grooving. Yeah. And so, he's got the gun pointed at Joel Kinnaman this time, now on top of the table. And everyone knows. Sorry, yeah. I think we should do a bonus episode one day mm. where we rank all of his like musical performances. Whoa. Bold. Yeah. Because he's have to dig plenty. Yeah. Yeah, we'd have to like think about them <laughs> like uh-huh. go through each movie and see. there might be something online yeah like something on reddit might have a list right, right. Okay. we'll see yeah we'll see okay uh maybe one day stay tuned are we keeping this in <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> sounds good anyway hold us accountable <laughs> i'm sure yeah so anyway at this point like i said guns out everybody's intimidated you mm-hmm. know chef and waitress in the back and who walks into the restaurant but a mother and child, it's like three in the morning. They keep talking about how it's witching hour. And the waitress is always like, uh, I never know whether to say good evening or good morning. And I don't know whether to say it's breakfast or dinner. <laughs> right. But so what that means is it's Why like is there two or a child three in the morning. Here? Why is there a child, a mother and a child Listen, on the outskirts I'm, of Vegas? We are not ones to We're you know parents. comment on parenting. Right. So. Right. So. I don't want to be judgmental about this mother. Yeah, that's true. You never know what they're going through. Probably a lot to be at that diner. Yeah, they're definitely not just a plot device. (laughs) 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 Oh, wait, they are a plot device. So, (laughs) oh, wait, let me check my notes. Uh, plot device. Yes, correct. Yep. Okay, plot good. device. I checked Got the it. glossary, and they go. are a plot device. So confirmed. So he, <laughs> he sits back down. Nick Cage sits back down at the table, and he's talking to Kinnaman, and and Kinnaman just keeps saying like, "Like I'm not who you think I am." And Cage screams at him. Well, he pulls out a, a rabbit's, rabbit's foot. foot, and he's banging it on the ground. He, when he says, says "This tick. is my magic rabbit's foot." Tick 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 tick. Yeah. So Nick Cage starts shooting. Remember, he did magic in the beginning. I think there's... Yeah, he pulled out a card and it was his card. (laughs) That was the first interaction that he had. So now he has this magic foot. I'm I'm giving this guy a backstory, right? Like he lives on the Vegas Strip. Well, he has a backstory. We just didn't pay attention to it. (laughs) I'm giving what I hope his backstory to be rather Uh than the stupid backstory that is him as a Bostonian. I'm giving Mm -hmm. him like a Vegas story. Mm -hmm. Once he comes to Vegas, Mm -hmm. he's an aspiring magician. That's why he dyes his hair red. Right. He has a rabbit's foot. Right. And he has cards. Right. And that's all he knows how to do. (laughs) Right. I wonder, I always wonder if sometimes when magicians do something like that, if they just have 52 individual pockets inside their jackets, so that whenever somebody goes, is this your card? I would like to think that Ace of Spades is the most stereotypical card to choose. Yeah, it's a pretty common one. Yeah, he just took a... Took a guess, educated guess. Took an educated guess. Right. And then there's also a reason he has a rabbit's foot beyond being magically inclined. For because, luck? No, because his daughter had rabbits. Oh, shit. Yeah. I missed that, that one. 
<laughs> Amazing. So Nick Cage, after this blow up, it, he just starts shooting at everyone because people are trying to run away. He kills the trucker. He kills the chef. Um, he you know Sets threatens the, the place on fire. He threatens the the waitress, but he doesn't kill the waitress or the mother and daughter because Joel Kinnaman is like, fine, I am who you think I am. And uh, he sets the Whoa, whole place. what? Yeah, exactly. You just breezed right over that. No, 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 no. Because he's like, oh, yeah, don't hurt them. I, I am who you think I am. Like, I swear. Like, he was just saying whatever he could. Oh, I see. Yeah. To, yeah. Because it comes up later. Again, plot's convoluted. But, and blink if you miss it. Um, <laughs> blink twice if you miss the plot. <laughs> it's like I'm talking to someone in a coma. Anyway, um... Or if you need help. Yeah, exactly. Or if you need help. Blink twice if you need help. Me. <laughs> yeah, right now. Blinking twice. Help get me out yeah. of here. So uh, Joel Kinnaman is able to escape, and there's this sort of uh, a cat and mouse chase outside in the parking lot. Joel Kinnaman calls the police, and this is where it's like I said, like, come on. He calls the police, and then like 10 minutes goes by. He's He calls the police, and he goes, there's a guy with a gun. He's shooting people. I'm... I'm at the roadside diner in Vegas. Like, I'm, I'd send you exactly where I am. There's a guy with a gun killing people. And the police are like, ha, all right, buddy. We'll get there when we get there. It's like, no, right? That's probably not what would no. happen in real life. Yeah, no. exactly. So Nick Cage starts throwing a whole bunch of Molotov cocktails all over the uh, parking lot, just blowing up cars left and right as he's chasing Joel Kinnaman around. Uh, I wrote, how are there no cops? Um, <laughs> they get into or a, fist- a fire department, right? Yeah, because the whole place is getting like blown up. So they get into a fist fight. They they find each other. They get into a fist fight, and Nick Cage, in order, is he's in the ropes. Nick Cage is on the ropes. In order to get out of it, he says the exact room number. He's like, "Oh, your wife's in room eight two nine in labor and delivery. We know exactly where she is. If you do anything to me, they're gonna kill your wife." Or you can get back in the car now, and we won't go anywhere near your wife because I I don't usually hurt. Mothers. Women. Oh yeah, mothers. But I'll I'll make this exception for you. And he's like, "All right, fine. If I get in the car, we're we're, we're out of here. You don't touch my wife." So they get back on the road. Very frustrating that the cops didn't show. Uh, Nick Cage starts like crying over about like I had a wife and a daughter, and my daughter had rabbits, and my wife and daughter died in a fire, and the. I heard they died. Didn't hear anything about the rabbits. And the worst sound was the baby rabbits in the fire oh, or something. Yes. And I, and I, rabbits screaming. Yeah. I heard that. And, and I was like, "Where? I, whoa, blink and you miss it. Yeah. And Nick Cage is like, <laughs> the thing about James is that he's a ruthless son of a bitch. We're like, and then he'd the be like, James? isn't that right, James? And we're like, are there two Jameses? I don't, I don't know. We kind of already went through that. So. Yeah. Again, so then like who, yeah. who in that story is Nick Cage? I don't know. That's the thing. It's so confusing. It's very confusing. And it gets more confusing in this scene and the next scene because, well, first of all, before we get to that, there's another great scream where, again, Joel Kinnaman's like, I don't know who that is. I'm not who you think I am. And Nick Cage screams. You are so fucked in the head, James. You're so fucked in the head. You actually believe you're David Chamberlain. Great scream. Yeah. So cops are chasing this car down. Uh, Joel Kinnaman decides to drive the car off a cliff. And uh, then the cops are like, there's like two cops that come down the cliff looking at the two of them. And then suddenly the two of them are shot. And we're like, oh, wow, Nick Cage, even though he's looking like he's down and out, he's still got great aim and kills two cops. He has great aim throughout the duration of this movie. He does. This guy's a sniper. He does. 
But it wasn't Nick Cage. Who oh my killed the God, cops who was it? End. It was Joel Kinnaman. What? Who confesses to being James or James, some shit. Who's James? I don't know. The, <laughs> the drunk bookie from Boston. From the story. Who killed Nick Cage's wife and, and daughter. And the rabbits. And the rabbits. It all comes together. So, so he's is Nick the Cage devil. Jacob? I don't know because Jacob definitely died in the story. There was a bullet in the back of his head is what they said. So he was like... Maybe that's why he has red hair because it's blood. Yeah, I don't know. It's blood from all the bullets. Joel Kinnaman goes... So this is is really funny because Joel Kinnaman goes, you know, when I went to, to finish the deed and kill your wife, she almost scratched my entire face off. And, and so, first of all, he says face off. Second of all, second of all, Hannah looks at me and goes, so did he like have facial reconstructive surgery? And, I was and like, that's why Nick wasn't 100% sure if it was him. Right. But but he was sure it but was him. But he was. But why would Joel Kinnaman think he can get away with it? Yeah. So, so we're just like <laughs> implying major facial reconstructive surgery? But he has no scars. He has no scars. He's an objectively handsome man, Joel Kinnaman. Do they just like take someone else's face and put it on his face like they like do in Face Off? Like a face transplant? How does that work? Is With, this again, the same universe? No scars? Is this the same universe as Face Off where they have the scientific ability right. to take someone's face and put it on your face and have no trace? Face Off. Unreal. So Kinnaman ends up killing Nick Cage, and then the cops come down, and Kinnaman's like, I need help, and he talks to his wife. Wait, what? sorry. Was yeah. Face Off in Boston? I want to say New York, but I don't recall, actually. It wasn't San Francisco. That was The Rock, and yeah. I keep thinking of that. <laughs> Heavy use of action set pieces, including a violent shootout and boat chases filmed in L.A. Filmed in L.A.? Yeah, so, I mean, you know. If it's film, if a boat chase is filmed in L.A., I don't think that passes as like New the York harp, or Boston. The habit. The habit. <laughs> Hannah and I just did a better Boston accent than Nick Cage did throughout the movie. Okay, uh, so that's gonna do it for our notes. Um, any closing thoughts? You had one. I wrote yeah, it down. It was where. Why didn't they play? Where's for the, the song? <laughs> you're gonna name the movie after the song, and then you're not gonna use it. Unreal. But you're gonna pay thirty grand. To use for, a different I, song. I, I like, love the nightlife. I love the nightlife. I like to boogie. For like an inconsequential scene. It could have been any song. I think to be honest with you. Yeah. If we can be honest here. Please. I think it would have been very cheesy if he put on Sympathy for the Devil. Well, a little but, too on the nose. Yeah. But I also expected it. Okay. Well, I, then in that case, why name it Sympathy for the Devil? Um, why name the movie that? He didn't pick the name. Right. Remember, he heard the name and then decided to dye his hair red. <laughs> I just don't understand. We I can don't reach understand. out to the writer. Yeah, let's reach out. Okay, I'll do that. I think there is actually a podcast where they talk to people like from these movies, but we just don't have that kind of energy. Or money. Or money or care. Or clout. Um, or clout, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So, Han, uh, any other closing thoughts, or should we get into some Nick Cage awards? Awards. We can do that. Okay. First is Best Supporting Actor. Now, you mentioned while we were watching that you liked The Waitress. She was good. Yeah, she was good. She put in a good performance. She sure did. Darn. I don't think... 
I don't think Joel Kinnaman delivered much, to be honest with you. No, he was fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even if you put in a great performance, you're mm-hmm. next to Nicolas Cage, quote, chewing up the scenery. Chewing it up. Just absolutely making a making a meal of it. He is a full ass meal, not just the bakery. <laughs> not just the bakery. I don't oh. know what are they. What are the kids saying? Your snack, not yeah, just a snack, yeah, yeah, but the whole yeah. name, not the bakery. The bakery. I'm gonna start saying that. Um, Girl, you looking like a bakery. Uh, <laughs> we've got a lot of rolls. <laughs> I was going to make a buns quote, like something about hot buns. Yeah, I like that. But <laughs> the rolls. <laughs> Got a lot of rolls. Wow. Uh, worst actor is the 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 wife. The, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. We don't usually do a worst actor, but you're right. That needs to be specified in this movie. <laughs> uh, best dressed. He only really has the one outfit. So that one. Great. Worst Nicolas Cage scene. Him explaining the plot. <laughs> But that's kind of tied into the diner scene. No, is, no. Okay. Let me throw this at you. There's something that I skipped over. There was a scene where they were in the car, and he talks about when he was a kid, he thought his mucus came from the mucus man. Missed that one. <laughs> which was a bald man with a briefcase full of mucus who would take Oh, the boogers. Elevator. I heard him uh, say yeah, boogers. boogers. Yeah, a briefcase full of boogers who would sprinkle the boogers in his nose after taking an elevator up from his stomach to his nose. Well, that possibly can't be the worst scene. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what do you think? Maybe the one where he dies, because we don't get him anymore. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a, also a very confusing scene, and not like a, what? What a plot twist. It was like, why do I care about this? Yeah. Kind of. That one. Yeah, okay. Give it to that. Gotcha. Best Nicolas Cage scene. Oh my goodness. The diner. I mean, the entire diner scene is is gold. It's amazing. Though why do you have a motorboat in your mouth and the and the <laughs> dancing? My God. It's all phenomenal. And the mozzarella. <laughs> Just a masterclass in acting. <laughs> in acting. Uh best Nick Cage scream. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. There are so many. There are a lot. So moving backwards, you are so fucked in the head, James. Uh, you think you're David Chamberlain? No. Um, tick, 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 tick. How do you think that you're the one that I know that you are to be <laughs> when you don't know who I think you are? That's um, good, but I don't think so. Uh, do not interrupt me. I told you that in the car, you got a motor mouth. You have a motorboat in your fucking mouth. Sit the fuck down. Uh, golden shower, sexual man. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> I think I think you broke my beautiful nose, fucker. I destroyed a family. I did drive. Big cock cock. Oh no, this is so hard. Yeah. I like the long one. The motorboat, motormouth. Yeah, yeah. Sit the fuck down. And sit the f- sit the fuck back down. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Made a real impression on me. Well, finally, Han. Mm-hmm. The most nouveau shamanic moment. The most quintessential Nicolas Cage moment. Based on his acting style, he calls nouveau shamanism that he will one day write a book about and we will one day have to read and review that book. Well, I will say. Oh, maybe that's what he's going to do in his, in his time at oh, home. He'll write his, a book on acting. Yeah. yeah. He'll be 60. Yeah, that's a good time to do it. He's branching out into other like areas of entertainment. In that same interview, the... 
the interviewer was like, oh, your turn. You have a milestone birthday soon. Like, mm. you know, what are you looking forward to doing, you know, as a 60-year-old or whatever, or like leading <laughs> up to that? And he said yeah. he wants to read more books. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So maybe that means he wants he, to write too. Well, yeah, he did once purchase or or rent a haunted house to try to get inspiration to write a novel, right? He did do yeah. that. Yeah, he did do that. I forgot about that. Yeah. I also forgot about that, and that was the one question I got wrong in a Nicolas Cage trivia night, and it oh, haunts me to this day. Haunt, because uh-huh. haunting house. You got it. Uh, nouveau shamanic moment. Yes, nouveau. Oh, right. That's right. Where were we? It's got to be the choice of having red hair and also paying 30000 It's just like <laughs> the choices that he made yeah. for this production that were not necessary to the plot, but yeah. drove his performance further in his mind. Absolutely. Yeah, his production choices. I completely agree. I might have chosen like a moment from the movie if I didn't know about his, those were his choices. Same. And yeah. I was thinking about it while we were watching the movie. I was like, oh, well, that's got to be the Nouveau Shamanic. It's like him like rolling around. And, uh, or like dancing you know, to I Like the Night Dancing yeah. and singing or mm-hmm. talking about the 100% sexy <laughs> sex. <laughs> I wanted to be 100% sex, but now I'm, I'm only 50%, 50% sex. sex. I think all of those were contenders, but... The icing on the cake is his the, choices. The strawberry, raspberry flavored icing on the, the top of the on head. <laughs> because it's red. The red paint, whatever that the guy from the Mick Jagger movie put on his hair. Boy, we're good at improv. All right, hey. Hen. <laughs> Let's rank this one. What do you think? So we've been going in terms with like of a yeah performance, roughly like, one one out of a hundred, one being the best, one hundred being the worst. I mean, he really he really brings in a phenomenal performance yeah. in this for yeah. for him. Oh yeah, like this is quintessential Cage. Oh absolutely, I think this would be beloved by one of the. A critic said that that like oh yeah this is he delivers the goods for those who like him best when he's losing his mind and i couldn't have put it any better than that <laughs> i would say in the 30s in the 30s okay let's go the with... movie sucks let oh, the me, movie's let really me, bad let me be clear about that yeah do you want but me to this... start let's start at 39 because i think it's going to be on the bottom end <laughs> okay so 39 is a score to settle don't remember that one. So thirty. You you remember something about this movie, and that is beef. You think beef, <laughs> beef is, is an accurate, accurate description of what I have with your father? father. So that's the one where he's like a former mobster going up against. I think is it Benjamin Bratt? I forget. Oh, I don't care. Okay, it's so definitely better, better than, that. than that. Okay, so thirty-eight is Arsenal. Arsenal is the <laughs> the tiger. No, that is that one's primal. Arsenal God. is the <laughs> spiritual sequel to Deadfall, where oh he reprises goodness. the character of Eddie Burke or Eddie oh, something. I love that character. Yeah, he's not in, from memory, he's not in Arsenal enough, and Arsenal is another kind of bad movie, but we're we're in sort of an area where I think I agree. I think so like, too. we're in the right type of area. Okay. I can keep going if you like. Yeah, please do. All right, so 37 is one we actually referenced last <laughs> week, I think, which was Dying of the Light. Hmm. I right. like his performance in that one. Right. What's 36? 36 is Prisoners of the Ghostland. <laughs> Why is that better than Time of the Light? <laughs> Prisoners of the Ghostland was... That was a really fun one. More A more recent oh. one where it was like a post-apocalyptic... Where was, he wore a suit that had little bombs on it and like 
two of them were like attached to his balls. And so like, if he, he had to like bring a girl somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. And there was like a big statue or something. And like, or like people turned into statues or something. Oh my God. That one. Yeah. It was recent. It was like, Oh my God. It was like in Asia. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, between that and Ruby or Diamond Tuesdays. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just mark that on here. I don't know. Wait, what was that? What's after that one? After that is The Frozen Ground. So oh, he was good in that movie. That one was a good performance, not super cagey. I like that one though. Mm-hmm. All right, put it put it between Prisoner and Frozen Ground. Prisoner and Frozen Ground. Okay, you got it. Yeah, this, right. I mean, it, this is becoming so challenging. I know, I know. Well, Han, that's our ranking, and I think that's going to do it. So next time, let's see if we can I find mean, a date. We're still going to, oh, it's like August 20th or something. Yeah, it's coming up, uh, is a movie called The Retirement Plan. He plays a character called Matt. He looks absolutely crazy. <laughs> I try not to watch the trailers or read anything about it. Um, but it is coming up, and I think, like you said, Han, it's sometime in August. I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. August 25th. Wow, did you get that date correct? I said 20th. Oh, all right. Close enough. But, but we August still haven't 25th. watched Butcher's Crossing, Steve. I know. So we'll keep our eyes open if if there's anything, uh, any way we can find it on streaming or, you know, even download it. The only place that we it. could have seen it in theaters was like a film was festival. In Toronto. <laughs> yeah, it was the Toronto Film Festival. That was the only thing that was like somewhat close. And um, yeah. It wasn't a film festival. It was just like at select theaters in Toronto. I don't think that that one would have made it to the Toronto Film Festival knowing that the Fantasia Film Festival exists <laughs> in Montreal. That's a good which point. Which is like two hours from Toronto. <laughs> that is an excellent point. <laughs> All right, Han, I think that's going to do it. Any other closing thoughts before we get out of here? I like will continue to say this until I'm blue in the face. There's just no reason that sympathy for the devil should not have played during that movie. Therefore, I think that we should play ourselves out with it while I say, remember, just please remember, we will always be here for you (laughs) through Nick and then. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.